0: Happy Sunday church, happy December, happy first day of Advent. Does anything look different to you right around here? I changed my hairdo. Just kidding. It's a brand new pulpit that Eric May has crafted for us. I encourage you, check this out after the service. It is rock solid. It is beautiful. It looks like something purchased from a really, really good carpenter, and in fact, it was made by a really, really good carpenter. So um, let's real, real quickly just thank Eric for, uh, for the work here. Beyond a new pulpit, which I'm kind of loving because it has shelves in here for water bottles and such. Uh, Big news this week, national media. You guys were following this, right? You know what I'm talking about. Prince Harry is getting married. Ah! I'm so excited. Meghan Markle is her name, actress from L.A. And you can be sure, I don't know about you, but for me, until their nuptials this spring, I will be following that story with rapt attention the entire way. You know, Michael Flynn has been indicted. Uh, North Korea is firing giant missiles in the direction of Japan. We got a giant tax bill that just got passed. Hollywood is imploding, but Prince Harry is getting married, and I just saw a whole lot of that on the news this week. Have you ever seen um, a, a picture that finally made a truth true for you? Um, an image, a picture maybe just a concept that finally took the abstract and made it concrete. Um, there's a, there's a, in the New Testament, over and over, um, we come to, the, to God describing his church not as a, a sterile organization or uh, an, an impersonal institution, but over and over, he, he gives us the picture of a Family. And that's the image, that's the concept, that the church is the family of God. And if it's true that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, that God is the king over all the universe, that means that his church is not just a family, not just a mere family, but we are, in a very real spiritual way, we are a royal family. Because remember, beginning at Pentecost, a third Race was born. Not Jew, not Gentile, but something altogether different. Christian. The Christian church was birthed at Pentecost um, through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. We are made the church of God, the bride of Christ, a royal family. And so as we're continuing, uh, if you've been with us through our series in 1 Timothy, we're coming now to chapter five in this six-part series. And what, what we're gonna find is that chapter five is all about how the royal family cares for one another. So if you haven't turned there, um, I encourage you to follow along as we read. If you're, if you're new or you didn't bring a Bible, uh, this is going to be on page 992 in the church Bibles. Fair warning, this is the longest text of the entire series. It's a good chunk of verses here. Um, so. To help us get our bearings. first couple verses, that's the helicopter view. It kind of puts forth the philosophy of church as family. And then from there, Paul highlights three groups within the church: widows, elders and servants. widows, elders and servants. And as we read this, I want you to keep in mind, um, we've got no Windsor Castle, okay? Um, our monarch resides in heaven, and yet just like every other royal family, to a certain degree, the eyes of the world are upon this royal family, the, the church of God, which means to whatever degree that that's accurate, whenever we fail, there is opportunity for scandal and dismissal. It also means that whenever we love one another well not only as the family of God do we honor the king but we also gain great credibility with those outside the church And I think a lot of that is what's driving then first Timothy chapter 5 widows elders servants will begin reading at the first verse it's a lot of verses hang with me you can do it we'll read through the first couple verses in chapter 6 this now is the very word of the Lord Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith." Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house. And not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly But the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous. And even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. Not sure how it works in your home. Um, when I get a little bit loud, my kids call it yelling. I call it motivational speaking. But I never yell at Sarah. And I can't imagine yelling at my dad. It's not, it's not that I love Sarah more than my kids. Actually, that's not true. I kind of do love her more than my kids. <laughs> it's not that Sarah's worth more than my kids. It's not that my dad's worth more. It's because relationships in the family, we kind of know this intuitively without even thinking it through. Relationships in the family, in their disparate ways, require that we relate to one another differently. This is why Paul... Um, if, you, if you don't know Timothy, um, Paul is the experienced pastor. He's writing to Timothy. He's the young pastor in a place called Ephesus. And he's writing him with this reminder that we honor those in the church by treating them appropriately based on who they are. What position they hold or what relationship they have to us. For instance, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. This did not mean that Timothy had to distance himself from admonition when it was necessary, but that, that duty has to be exercised with restraint and with honor. Because when we know this when we grow up. It's a little bit different when we're kids. When we grow up, we, we treat our brothers in one way. We treat our mom a different way. We treat our sisters still a different way. Treat younger women accordingly, with purity, it says there at the start of the text. I don't know if you guys ever read Babylon B. If you don't, you really need to add this to your Facebook newsfeed. It's quite fantastic. It's entirely satire. It's like a Christian version of The Onion. They're not all a home run, but a lot of their articles are. Um, so, in the midst of this whole Harvey uh, Weinstein dumpster fire that we've been listening to for the last few weeks, um, here's a recent headline Vice President Mike Pence confesses addiction to marital faithfulness. <laughs> admits to decades of fidelity. (laughs) Quote, Vice President Pence, who was heavily criticized by the media in March, you guys remember that? When he confessed to never having private lunches with women other than his wife, tearfully admitted to reporters his habit of marital fidelity. Began back in 1985 when he and Karen were married. Pence disclosed his addiction has caused him to meet with his wife for lunches and dinners at numerous locations throughout the city. "'I just can't hide anymore,' Pence declared. In a stunning development, Karen Pence joined her husband by his side and confirmed the allegations, (laughs) stating she had known about and even covered up for her husband's faithfulness throughout the years. Listen, it's only funny because it's not, right?' Listen, if Matt Lauer had been taught by a church family and then resolved as a result of that teaching in a church family way back in his 20s, I'm going to treat all these other women with the respect that a grown man would treat his sister. Gosh, he would have saved himself immense shame this week. And more importantly... He would have saved those he hurt. So much heartache. Point is, if we want, if we hope for purity and integrity in our morning show anchors, how much more so in the royal family of God? So after establishing this overarching philosophy, that's the umbrella under which the whole chapter falls, this idea of the church as family. Then Paul moves to address these three specific groups within that family, uh, presumably because in the church at Ephesus, each one of these three groups, there was some significant challenges that were facing them. The first group, if you're at verse 3, was widows, uh, which in the first century often meant women with no means of support, right? Because to be widowed in the first century, I there were no social services and there was no one bringing home a paycheck. Here at MCC, as our median age has significantly declined in the last several years, I think it would be easy for us because of that, because of a younger and younger church, I think it would be easy for us to overlook widows. Not out of intentional unkindness, but rather out of ignorant neglect. And so I'm grateful that we have passages like First Timothy chapter 5, which we come to, and we got to preach, and we got we to gotta do something with these. Because when you step into verses like this, when you really try and step into the text... Well, you realize, don't you, this is a deeply emotional need that's being described here. And some of you, you didn't need me to tell you that because you've walked through the loss of a spouse and you know what that feels like. And I wouldn't stand up here today and pretend in the least to understand the depth of heartache that goes with that. But I do want you to know, church, and widows, that your pastors, your elders, your church family, we love you, and we are for you. You can help us by helping to know how to better serve you, for sure, but we are for you. The, the application, I think, would extend to widowers, certainly, certainly to um, single moms, single dads. Um, But the, the text specifically addresses widows because women in the first century who had lost their spouse were now in a very precarious situation. Depending on their age and their circumstance, they potentially experienced, if you're at verse five, no means of support, no prospect of marriage, and no basis of hope other than hope that God would somehow provide. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, son, you gotta help your church family somehow to figure out, to think through as the family of God, how will you serve these women? Who receives assistance, financial and otherwise? Who doesn't? in a world of limited resources. Well, in their case, apparently there was a list, verse 9. It was connected to age. I suspect that that age was not, uh, you know, a, a wooden or mechanistic. But it, it, culturally, the age of 60 at this time was viewed as the age of, you know, what we would call retirement or um, also the age at which a woman was considered very, very unlikely to remarry. So that's the, the number that's being floated here. But without getting into all of the weeds... Let me just draw your attention to the principle that's elucidated in verse four. The church is intended to be a second line of defense. The immediate family is first. The church is intended to be a second line of defense. The immediate family is first. The church family is to care for widows when their immediate family can't or won't. This is consistent that we would do this. This is consistent with the whole of Scripture. You guys know James chapter 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit who? Orphans and widows. And to keep oneself unstained From the world, and so here at MCC, you know there's there's a programmatic approach to this, whether we're thinking about uh, community table, uh, senior luncheons, pastoral visits, uh, our community group at the assisted living home, uh, deacon care, or the the less programmatic, more organic, just church members. And I know many of you who do this who just naturally come alongside folks who are in need. Because throughout the Bible, you guys know, it, it's, it's really clear God has a special heart for the fatherless and the familyless, And so it's our responsibility to think through in a world of limited resources, how can we be sure that those who most need assistance receive it the most because the world's watching and the Christian church is a royal family on mission. The Christian church is a royal family on mission, which then drives Paul to address the second subset within this family. Verse 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. See, contrary to public opinion, the church is not a democracy. Let me just repeat that. In case after all these years, there's still a few of us who think that a congregational form of government is a biblical form of government. It's not. The church is not a democracy. Neither is it a dictatorship. Church is the the family of God. Which means then that the kingship of God, the the kingship of our head is worked out, is mediated through a plurality, plural, of elders. Elders are not representatives of various constituencies in the church, okay? Elders do not represent the church to one another. Elders represent God to the church, which is quite a task when you think it through and realize elders are flawed elders make mistakes it's a high calling and it is a chilling reminder that we are given not right here but in a corollary passage in Hebrews 13 where it says obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, if you are a church leader, and that last phrase there doesn't make you tremble a little bit, well, perhaps you ought not be a church leader at all. Uh, Historically, elder-led churches, because of passages like 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, they make a distinction between ruling or lay elders and pastors or teaching elders. And so the double honor then is in reference to financial compensation. Why do we interpret it that way in verse 17, Trav? Well, it's because of verse 18. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And if you're new to the Bible, you're thinking, well, what does an ox have to do with this? Where did that come from? Well, it's a quote from Deuteronomy 25 because back in ancient days, there would be a, a, a rocky, uh, flat area which would be exposed to the wind and oxen would be harnessed to a center point and around that center point, they would laboriously tread all day long, treading the grain. And then the, the, the chaff would be blown away and then the good stuff would be gathered up for consumption later on. Um, the Old Testament law existed to to say, let the oxen eat when they're working. They've earned, by their work, their reward. There's actually a way of God's people, his family, to look different from the world because um, pagans out of greed were tempted to muzzle the ox. God said, hey, (laughs) the beast is my creation and he has a right to benefit from his work. Now, if God is concerned with oxen, is he not concerned with pastors? A church should financially care for their staff. I think that if I knew I would die tomorrow, I would want to say to you today that our church staff, for as long as I've known, has been graciously... Generously and kindly cared for by you. We talk about that. We do not take it for granted because there is a mentality in many churches today that we will guard the pastor from the love of money by making sure he has no money to love. <laughs> but scripture says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So in the context of elders, Paul talks about compensation, and then he talks about accusation, because I can tell you, every fool has an arrow to shoot at a faithful pastor, okay? If if accusation alone confirmed guilt, who could stand? For that reason, Paul says, "Do do not even entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Compensation, accusation, and then also ordination, verse 22. Do not be hasty in ordaining a man to this role. Why? Because it's a really significant role. As leadership goes, so goes the church. Almost every time. Donald Guthrie writes, undue haste in Christian appointments has not infrequently led to unworthy men bringing havoc to the cause of Christ. This is one of the reasons that we do a really, really lengthy uh, leadership training track every two years. Because if a man has not been tested, then he, there's a good chance that in times of difficulty, he's going to revert to the power of his personality or the preference of personal whims, rather than biblical precept. And we got to ordain good elders because the Christian church is a royal family on mission. We got communion, so I I need to wrap it up. Uh, The final section at the top of chapter six, it addresses uh, the relationship between masters and bondservants. That's the third grouping here. We got widows, we got elders, and then we got servants. The Greek word there is doulos. Uh, Please, 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 do not picture American slavery when you read that word. This was culturally an altogether different thing. Uh, Although Paul does say elsewhere, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that if a bondservant or a slave can gain his freedom, by all means, be free. But understand that so long, the instruction here is that within the church family, so long as a servant is serving their master. they are really serving Christ. In our own context, this probably says an awful lot about employer-employee relationships, um, the way that we honor those in authority, even when they're bad authority, because we're the people of God, Because we're his church, and if we're a royal family, and just like every other royal family. The world watches. The Christian church is a royal family on mission. And I think I also want to say the very best thing about that, about being a royal family, is the kind of access that we have to the throne. Um, In contemporary terms, if you can maybe picture an enormous company, right? Some of you work for companies like this with thousands and tens of thousands of employees and all kinds of moving parts and the the CEO and the big giant office and it's guarded by multiple admins who turn away everyone who comes looking for an appointment except that one person has a faint little knock and a giant mahogany door swings open just a few inches and in... You hear the the pitter patter of feet, right? And smiling ear to ear, it's the twin boy and girl come running into the office. And the really big, giant CEO immediately steps away from his desk and he just melts, right? And now he's on his knees with arms wide open, embracing him. Because the son and the daughter well, they always have access to this king. And church, I want you to know that when we rest by faith in the finished work of Christ, you and I, as sons and daughters, we have a king who with outstretched arms, down on his knees, he welcomes us to himself. And so we worship him as the church gathered like this. We continue to worship him as the church scattered like tomorrow and Tuesday and the days after. And the whole time as we relate to one another and we relate to the world, we're telling ourselves, we're reminding ourselves that the Christian church is a royal family living on mission. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Medway Community Church would love to welcome you as our guest one day soon. Our church family meets every Sunday morning for worship and also offers a wide variety of small group and ministry opportunities. To learn more, please visit us on the web at medwaycommunitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.